So, uh, hello and welcome back to another episode of Box to Box. I'm Alex Perry, alongside Akshay Budwani and Jeff Hauser. The season has concluded after the most wild of championship Sundays. Drama at all ends of the table from the title race. Maybe not as much drama in the top four race. That, went, that was pretty straightforward. That was pretty straightforward, but it was still, it right. came down to the last day and uh, we still got some fun magic. Granted, uh, most of the magic was how badly can the North London teams beat the crap out of their opponents, but it was still fun. And then the relegation race and, I mean, our boys done it. Jesse Marsh, the American, has and leads her down. Can um, we talk about how incredible the like, the like handful of days have been, or like handful of minutes even have been for leads from a from an MLS perspective from a US soccer perspective Jack Harrison scores the goal that absolutely locks them in to staying up with the with Jesse Marsh celebrating on the touchline and not hours later they announce Brendan Aronson is coming for 30 million pounds what a yeah what a day for for American soccer I mean I I don't I think it's a good day. I'm not going to like read into the implications of it too much. The MLS you know? is the best league in the world now. That's what this that, day that's, determines. That's the only, yeah, you should have been on the um, – it's, it's funny because last week, Ben and Chris, uh, and to a lesser extent, but still Justin and I were talking about how like the Premier League is, is overrated slightly and how it gets more clout just for being the Premier League and like more, like more entertaining – a more entertaining brand of football, which I think most people would agree that it is. Um, but no one gives the MLS any credit. But anyway, let, let, let's get back to Championship Sunday. And it is, and I mean, what a roller coaster it was. This is a weird way to do it, but I almost want to do it in chronological order. Like, I want us to walk through the 90 minutes of Championship Sunday and think about the different races that had different twists and turns at different times. And yeah. it, starts, it starts with title race. And it starts with Wolves banging one in after three minutes. Perry, walk us through exactly how you felt during those first three minutes. Well, honestly, pretty calm. I mean, like, you know, it's never ideal to be conceding so early in a game where you need to win in order to have any chance of winning the title. But pretty calm. Liverpool have turned it around plenty of times before. Um, They still had the entire game. They got the equalizer soon after. I I wasn't really starting to sweat until probably, and I know we're kind of going past the order, but now, now that I'm on, you know, now, now that you got me started, um, I wasn't starting to sweat until like the 60th or 70th minute when Villa were up 2-0 and they were doing, like, I thought, like they were doing us the biggest favor of our lives and Liverpool were bottling it because Liverpool were really poor for the long stretch of the game today. But just to go back to what it was, um, I felt pretty calm. Three minutes in, we conceded, but, you know, the, the team has yeah. been through tough situations. They pulled it out before. And then two things that both happened in the 20th minutes of their games in the relegation race. Callum Wilson scores and converts a penalty. Newcastle go up 1-0. It's a huge blow to Burnley's play. And at the exact same time, Leeds score a goal that gets ruled off for offsides. And the goal was scored in the 19th. So I saw Leeds score. And then I immediately saw Burnley concede. And I thought, it's done. It's dusted. Everything's taken care of. And then a minute later, ah, just kidding. Leeds' goal is already gone. They took it away. And now you're like, mm, okay, Burnley still have some work to do. Still, yeah, but they're, they're still in it. But but Leeds, that was the moment Leeds took one step into uh, safety. What was 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 just Newcastle getting up on the front foot. Exactly. Um, and you know, it, 
Burnley didn't really show much. I mean, didn't show enough. I mean, I think they fought hard, but as has been the case all season, um, total lack of quality. But and if you want to get to the top four race, I mean, that was that was the clearest one. You know, once Tottenham took a lead, Dan Kulisevsky, what a signing he's been, by the way. Five goals and eight assists in 18 games. That is a game-changing signing. Yeah, Tottenham never a, really looked back from there. It's a fantastic bit of business. Tottenham never looked back from there. Arsenal, though, at least bothered to kind of keep it. Anytime you have to ask Norwich for a hat trick of goals, uh, probably from Josh Sargent, because, you know, we love him. Um, you're in for a bad spot this season. So a little bit rough. but. Arsenal still did their job somewhat. I mean, they bagged two goals in, in four minutes to at least make Spurs have to think about holding on to that lead. Now they holding did a little a more than a lead on. against already relegated Norwich. I mean, it is Tottenham. So it wouldn't it, be a total, like it, I mean, it, it is, is the Tottenham. history of the Tottenham. It is very much the history of the Tottenham. Um, but, you know, they were never going to let that slip. Uh, no. Very and, poor choice of words. But, but, but very early on, uh, we, we very clearly see that that's going on. And then everything everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked in the 37th minute. And that little cross came in and Matty Cash's big old forehead scored his frat boy goal. And suddenly, Liverpool, well, Liverpool fans... Liverpool equalized. Being, they had equal, it was 1-1 at the time. At yeah, but, but Liverpool fans are looking around and like, all we need is a goal and we're champions I, I mean if you had offered at halftime i was like okay like i definitely would have taken the scenario 100 at halftime we need a goal against wolves we get that city need to you know villa are doing us a real real solid here um so at halftime i was calm i i, I was very calm I, was, I i thought you know okay we're gonna get the second um you know it's just up to villa to see it off um, and and importantly for a race that I think it didn't get enough uh, fun in terms of how much anguish and anxiety it caused me, um, it, in the exact same 37th minute that Matty Cash scored, Wilfred Zaha scored. And United are now losing. And West Ham would then go on to score an absolute pirouette of a goal. And I don't mean that in terms of the quality of the goal. I mean that in terms of the move that Antonio pulled. Akshay, did you get a chance to see this? He 360 on one foot, shot the ball at about the 120-degree angle, and then just kept spinning like he was dancing. It was incredible. Mikel Antonio with a stunner of a goal. Uh, Oxide right? checked out. Oxide, I feel like Oxide just could not be asked to, uh, to watch this game today. <laughs> Mikel Antonio scores on West Ham, and, and now I'm looking around like, okay, West Ham are winning. United are losing. If United score a goal to get a draw, doesn't matter. They're still not getting it right? Like nothing, you United would have to score multiple goals. And I'm watching this team play and I'm going, Ooh, you know who we have up front, Hannibal and Alanga and Cavani. I'm not so convinced we're going to be able to score anything today, let alone multiple goals. And so I'm thinking I just became a Brighton fan, a big boy Brighton fan. And then three minutes after I became a Brighton fan, West Ham go and score. And I'm like, all right, well, it's okay. You know, James Garner, Ama Diallo, these guys are going to love the Conference League, always rated the Conference League. It's a trophy that Liverpool's never won in their existence. So maybe we can go out and, you know, one-up them on that. I'm envious we're not in the... Wait, no. Did Mourinho win the Conference League? Is is that... that, Did they win it, Roma? They won the final? Uh, No, Eintracht... No, Eintracht won the Europa League. I don't remember who won the Conference League. Hold on. I I think... I'm pretty sure it was Roma who won the Conference League. But let's check that. Anyway, it it is something that Liverpool have never won. Um, No, it's not over yet. Um, The final is on Wednesday. The final is on Wednesday. Yeah. Roma and Feyenoord. 
All right. Um, so, so we're looking around at halftime. Liverpool and Wolves are tied. City's down 1-0. The top four race is pretty much done in the side. Tottenham's up 2-0. Arsenal, it doesn't matter what they do. Everton's already, you know, safe, so they really don't care about this game. You know, Leicester and Southampton, no offense to them. Great season. They were both in a place where they didn't care if they won. They didn't care if they lost. They were just out there playing for vibes. Chelsea and Watford, similar situation. Chelsea was guaranteed third. Friendly. Watford, yeah, at that point. Yeah, this, this was a friendly. Chelsea was up 1-0 at halftime. They didn't much matter. Um, but Newcastle up 1-0 at halftime. Uh, West Ham up 1-0 at halftime. And Leeds, 0-0. They, they were in a point where uh, they were relying on Newcastle doing a job because Leeds had a terrible goal difference. If they conceded one, right. they were going to lose on the backs of their negative 20 goal difference. They're probably thinking that this isn't a bad spot to be in, but they'd really like to score a goal, take yeah. take the lead and, and not have to worry about relying on Newcastle. Despite their great form in the second half, I don't think anyone in history has ever enjoyed relying on Newcastle. And take the lead, Leeds did. Yeah, they did. They, they, they jumped. They're one of the first teams to react in the start of the second half with a 56-minute Rafinha penalty. And, and, you know, from there, I think it's pretty smooth sailing. Um, I mean, obviously, Brentford were to get that equalizer later. Um, Brentford, it, Leeds were in a comfortable weird. position. I feel like there's a more, I mean, it's never comfortable when you're in this kind of position. But I think once I took the lead, it was very comfortable for them. You're up, yeah, they, worst comes to worst, you know, you get a point. Yeah, they, they started are down. Yeah, they're winning. Uh, Burnley are losing. The gap's a full three points. They're not super worried. Um and then bad turns to worse for City fans because here comes the second goal. It's the Liverpool boy, the Liverpool manager. It's everything you you never wanted. Coutinho scores the goal. Of, man. Coutinho scores the goal, and they immediately yank him. They said, nope, <laughs> defense time. Here comes uh, Marvelous Akemba, who, by the way, is still one of the greatest names in the Prem. We should do a... a we should do an all 11 name team. I think that's something that's been missing. I know there it's not lacrosse. They don't have elite tier names, but we can still get away with one for the Prem coming up. We, we, we should get to that. Um, but, you know, once Aston Villa go 2 0 up, but Liverpool, I, I think all pressure is on Liverpool. At that point, it's theirs to lose. At that point. Um, and, and, and truly, and they were they, not, they were struggling, dude. Like, like they, they weren't swinging past, they were off of it. They were very off of it. They weren't swinging past together. They weren't looking threatening. They just didn't look coherent. They looked like they were playing on dead legs. And I was, I, I, for probably a good 15 minutes, was like really thinking like, Aston Villa are going to do us a favor here and we might actually really fuck this up. And it's one thing not to, to win the title because City, City got the job done. It's another thing not to win the title because Liverpool could not win at home to Wolves when they were being given a gift. And I think, like, you know, had had that been the case, like, going to Madrid, that just would have been so devastating. Um, but, and I don't want to I mean, jump too far ahead, but that was a very nervous period for me where I really thought that, like, Liverpool were going to choke. And it was, it was in that period where I think Liverpool had the biggest chance to win the title because, like, if you're the City players – and, and Liverpool's tied at halftime, and you're down by one. You're like, okay, this isn't so bad. We just got to go score two goals. We're way better than this team. We're super talented. We know we can do it. They score the second goal. And if Liverpool take the lead sometime between the Coutinho goal and City's start of their comeback, the City players might just have rolled over. Right? Yeah, yeah but Th- there's also, a chance that there's a chance. Not checking, like, it's not like they're checking their – I mean, 
no, no, they're not checking their phones, but it, don't don't tell me there's not an assistant coach who's got that in someone's ear. Also, don't tell me their fans wouldn't have heard, right? There would have been an audible groan around the stadium of all five Eddie had fans if Liverpool had scored. Honestly, I don't see. I mean, I I, I think it, it's one thing when you want, like, when the team that you're competing with concedes, then then the whole stadium, like, then the other, like, so in other words, when Liverpool conceded. The odds he had would know about that, right? And when Man City conceded, all Vanfield knew. I don't necessarily think it's not quite as obvious the other way around. Wait, I, you yeah, might but hear it, a few moans and groans, but it's not quite, like that. Could also easily I, you I think, would. But hold on, a, a lot of the City players were were probably hearing moans and groans all fucking game when they were down two nil, right? Fair enough. So like, I, I, I I'm not sure it would have necessarily sunk in or hit them, especially when they're concentrating and fighting on their lives. Like. Okay, a few moments of groans. We're hitting that. We're, we've been hearing that all game because we we've been having a difficult game. Um, I, I don't know if they would immediately attribute that to to Liverpool taking the lead, but th- there is that question of what if. I mean, I I think that's always a possibility, Jeff. Um, yeah. and it's also around that time that my hope started to spring back up. I was watching United play; they gave me no hope. Um, so I stopped watching them, and I, I started bouncing around different games. Uh, and I hung on on to the West Ham and Brighton game, and I saw the equalizer from Brighton. And that little flicker went in the back of my head that said, I don't really care what United do because that's not really helpful. But if Brighton can score again, we might not be playing in the Conference League. Yeah, only playing in the Europa League. Listen, the Europa League's a path to the Champions League. That's a fact. And that, yeah, team, next year, that team next year might need every path available to them. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll get to this after, but I, I still think for, from like United's standpoint, celebrating... Not, not even even so. Oh, just celebrating the United doesn't get to celebrate like itself would have been bad. So, like, but at least taking like there is no joy. I, I don't, I don't think there's like there's no like oh we have another opportunity. Like, there's even if it's the fact that their their season hurry, the best. Hurry. It's not it's not celebrating joy. Extra opportunity to get to the Champions League. It's well, not now, celebrating joy. Season, two seasons from now. It's right. not celebrating joy. It's never been about celebrating joy. It's avoiding the embarrassment of participating in the late August playoff rounds for the Europa Conference League. No offense to, to West Ham, who are probably going to go play those rounds and move on and play in the Conference League. And, and, you know, they had a good run in the Europa League this year. But for United to have to play in competitive games at the end of July against, you know, Gestalt for Dad. And, 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 and Babushka FC from uh, Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah. And, and teams that are worse than Sheriff, right? The teams that Sheriff beat out in Moldova. I mean, it's an absolute, and, and don't forget about Midgetland. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure back, that I, back to the very first episode of this podcast, actually. I'm pretty sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it's just, it wasn't celebrating that United accomplished anything because they didn't. They, they actively decompl, I mean, they, they lost one nil. Um, in a in a game that was absolutely chaotic and and not fun to watch, but they avoided any further embarrassment. Despite losing, it was away from home, right? They didn't have to deal with the home fans on the last day, and they avoided the embarrassment of playing in the Conference League thanks to a handful of extra Brighton goals. But let's get down to um, if Gerard had one moment that felt like it lasted a year, this was five and a half minutes that felt like it lasted a lifetime, because. My goodness, it's like he was slipping in slow motion. And I'm going to make this joke because it's really, really fun. But it's, it has very little to do with Gerard and very much to do with the tenacity of this city team and, 
and the ability they had to just keep coming and, and keep believing in playing the pep way and that things are going to work out. And the goals just kept coming. Gundogan as a sub, you know, getting in on the action and it's the speed with which they did it. KDB doing some incredible work on that assist, just lots of, lots of goals very quickly from the most lethal team in the prep. I think there are sometimes you know that with certain teams when, when they're trailing, that when they get one goal, you know that a second is coming, possibly a third. You know that more are going to follow. It, it's, it's just basically inevitable, right? It, honestly, in it, it was like that um, when Rodrigo had scored against Manchester City, the first one for Real Madrid, that put Real Madrid level in the night with City. Um, they still trailed a laggard. But, but once Rodrigo had scored that, Especially with six minutes to stop at time, you knew Real Madrid were going to get another one. You knew this was coming, and they did a minute later. You smelled goals at Anfield. You smelled goals at Anfield in the comeback against Barca a couple of years ago. You just smelled yeah, it. Yeah, you can t- exactly. sometimes with these elite teams when they're you know when they've been banging and pushing and they're behind a little bit and and, and that first that first pebble moves and then the dam breaks. And here comes the flood. You, you know, the, I, I got to say, like, a part of me was almost a bit relieved when City went up. Because at, when City had gone up, Liverpool did not take the lead until after City were, were up, right? So by the time Liverpool had scored, at, at no point were, were Liverpool, like, uh, Liverpool, the Liverpool did not in position to win, yeah. right? Yeah. So a part of me was thinking, like, a part of me was a bit relieved because it really did not, like, I could not see where the goals were coming from. They looked tired. They looked off the pace. Um, so part of me was like, okay, well, at least Man City won, right? At least like Liverpool didn't fucking choke it. Um, but they scored, and, and it's a good way to end the season. I mean, Salah puts them in front. Um, you know, you're hoping for a miracle, but uh, at Villa, you're hoping that they can get one more. You know, it's not going to come. Reality starts to set in. Um, Liverpool get it. Liverpool get. You know, all of a sudden, once Liverpool took the lead, then they really actually they started to look like they were playing. Um, you know, they looked a lot more dangerous. They got they got the third. Um, Andy Robertson, good finish, good play from, from, from Firmino, who I actually thought changed the game for, for Liverpool. But I think the, at that point, you know, the, the most important thing is just end the season on high, on a good note. Um, and that's what Liverpool did. And, and now let's talk about something that, amongst other problems, will change the way that the transfer window goes, at least in, in the case of a couple of names. Because I can think of three names that were directly affected by the last 15 minutes of the Premier League at the bottom of the table. Because Rafinha will be more expensive if he is off to Barcelona, as is rumored. Uh, Calvin Phillips will no longer be available as a relegation player because he would have been snatched up by a handful of different teams. Probably some top six teams uh, would have been in the in the mix for him. And uh, Brendan Aronson gets the move. I don't think he makes that move if they're going to the championship. I think he's looking for bigger and better things, leaving, you know, a, a champion, you know, a championship team in Austria and a Champions League quality team. I don't think he's moving to the championship. If he was moving, it was going to be to a Prem team. He already had rumors about going to Leeds and staying up in those last 15 minutes really did the job. But my goodness, did it get nervy for a second when Brentford scored and then the player that scores spends the next two minutes getting a yellow and a second yellow. My goodness, Brentford, uh, they must have, he must have scored on accident and said, oh, oops, that's my fault. Jesse, you know, that, that sweet, sweet U.S. check came. Let me get a couple of yellows and make things a little bit easier for you. Because phew, chaos, chaos ensues. And um, a couple of minutes earlier, Burnley scores. And now Burnley's only down by one, right? Now it's 2-1 and Burnley's looking for a goal. It's 1-1 in the, 
in the Leeds uh, Brentford game. So and if Burnley yeah. score, and if Burnley score, they're up. That's Leeds to go down. It, it, that, that's it. It comes down to one last uh, uh, opportunity for, for Burnley. They got 20 minutes to score and they're going to stay in the Prem. And it just never came. And their final whistle hadn't gone when Jack Harrison bagged that goal, which is the reason it's going to get a little bit of love because it kind of locked in that Leeds were staying up with that, with those extra two points. But my goodness, it was a nervy time if you were a fan of either of those teams. Kind of right after the, the title race had been decided, right? That's when we got the, the relegation fight go into full swing, you know, clenched butts, absolutely terrifying times for both fan bases and Burnley go down, not a single player uh, will, will stay in the Prem. Um, actually, not a single player will stay in soccer. They'll all go back to like drunken fist fighting at bars. Like I'm pretty sure most of them do. I, I, I love mean, Burnley. I love Burnley to death, but you can't tell me that, that guys like, you know, Tarkovsky and, and, and Harvey Barnes and, and Cork aren't just Sunday. Barnes. Yes. Sorry. Ashley Barnes. Um, my brain's just, Nice and done. I think today. I think Maxwell Cornet could have a shot. I think Nick Pope could be swooped up. Nick Pope, Nick, Nick Pope spent some time in the championship before. He has, I mean, but he's right, just he's way too good of a goalkeeper now. for a team not to buy him. Like I mean, you know, I could now nah, Brentford set. Um, we West could see Ham a team coming up if they don't. If they want to make Fabianski, uh, you know, if Fabianski's staying there, maybe or not. I mean, if he's not, then they they could grab Nick Pope. Um, Arsenal I mean, look like they need. I don't know if Arsenal has faith in Ramsdale. I don't know if Nick Pope would be the answer for them though. I could. I, I think Arsenal I think would Nick give. Pope's the answer I for think anyone. Arsenal would give. Would give Nick Pope and um. Would, would give Ramsdale another season. I mean, me. Nick Pope might just move from 18th to 17th, guys. I mean, Messier has been terrible all season. Castle's not. Melier? Oh yeah. Actually, well. that's a good point. I think Leeds might go for him. I just there's some team that needs Nick Pope. Nick Pope is way too good of a goalkeeper to be in the championship. Yeah, I, I think Nick Pope would be leaving Burnley. But Jeff, the only like, reason he would stay is if he truly wants to stay and he he believes that they keep a team together that's going to bounce back up. Just that's fair. on on your point about Burnley and like how, you know, their sort of attitude and the way they go about um they're they're a very physical team as as you kind of alluded to and they've got a lot of fight to them and that's why you know i i was very surprised that they're the ones who went down um between them leeds and everton at times i was leading leeds to go down at times i was leading everton um you know burnley are just their team was so much spirit so much fight and they they've they've pulled it out before when they've been in these sorts of situations um and i i gotta say i was quite shocked uh to see that burnley are really finally going down the, the question we have to ask ourselves now is uh, should should they regret sacking sean Dyche? i don't think they can now i think they should if they had known when they sacked him that they would be relegated no matter what then they shouldn't have sacked him because I think he'd be a great opportunity to, I think there's no manager better than Sean Dyche to help them navigate the championship and bounce right back up. But I think if you were looking at the moment and saying, what's the best way to keep this team up? I think that things got a little stale with Dyche. They needed just, even if it's a new manager bounce, they got a new manager bounce. Uh, it, it came and they got to enjoy that high and it almost kept them up. It came down to the very last day when if they hadn't gotten that bounce, if they hadn't picked up those, you know, those seven points in three games, there's a chance this could have been done and dusted before championship Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, that, that, that's, that's always a gamble um, when, when you, when you make these kinds of decisions, because it's not only what's best for your immediate hopes, but you also have to look to 
going forward in the worst case scenario. And I, I think now Burnley will regret it because they've been relegated. So the decision to sack Sean Dyche ultimately wasn't what saved them. And they're now probably in a worse position to be promoted back up than they would have been under Sean Dyche. So yeah. I, I just think when you look at that, that then it was the wrong decision. Yeah, they got the, they got their you know new managerial bounce. Didn't it was inconsequential in the end. And at the end of the day, they they got that new manager bounce without really appointing a new manager. Um, and and I think that the biggest I don't think their flaw was in getting rid of Dyche. And I, I think Oxide might strongly disagree. I think Oxide believes Dyche definitely should have stayed. But I think their flaw was that they didn't line someone up ahead of time. Where was, you know, Big Sam was just out there, you know, eating a good, you know, chip buddy and, and some, you this, know. This had Big d- Sam's name all this over had big, it. I think they could have stayed up with a, a manager. Perfect, who dude. Big Sam, Sam Allardyce type of football. Like, that is like, in terms of matching a manager in a club, that is just too perfect. And the situation Burnley were in. I don't yeah. know how you pass that up. But, but but Burnley have to be careful because their style will play very well in the championship. But there are some talented teams that are that are going to be down there next year. Norwich consistently they they know that competition a lot better than Burnley does. Uh, they know how to handle the you know the forty six games and and typically find their way up at the top of the table every year. This is a Watford team that we could see bounce back again. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd say that I, I don't think Watford's uh, my actually my problem as he shook his head was I don't see a whole lot of teams in the in the championship right now that haven't gone up that are going to be threatening to be better than Watford and I think oh, that's goodness. part of the I think that's part of the reason we're seeing so much yo-yoing is, I don't I don't even think it's so much that I just think I just Watford was so unimpressive just throughout the year at no point really to me did they look truly like a premier league team and to me they don't really look like that good of a championship team either i'd put them like mid-tier next season if they keep this same squad emmanuel I dennis think- is not going to be there so yeah. he's off the cards right away ishmael Assar is definitely he's gone. he should be gone he's yeah. gone uh, yeah. pretty much any good player that i can think of from watford squad is either going to be gone or, or they're going to be gone <laughs> i mean that's that's I, pretty I, much it i don't yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and if you take out like basically those three, maybe four guys that they have that are actually Premier League quality players, I think they're a trash team. I don't think, you know, they're getting anywhere near Premier League promotion in the next year, maybe even multiple years it might take them. I just don't see a lot of quality in that team at all. Let's, so, let's see what that, that parachute payment does in terms of uh, attracting some like high quality championship talent. And also, uh, let's, let's not forget that, you know, they were, they were a team that came up in second, um, you know. Uh, they, they, they didn't have to come through the playoff. I think they'll be in and around sixth or seventh and fighting for a, a playoff spot. Now, I don't think they'll be able to win the playoff, but I think actually it, the, the gap falls off pretty quickly. And when you're a team that at least has the experience, um, I, I, think that they'll, I think they'll give it a good run at least. Um, but what do we think of the three promoted teams this year? Norwich, we expected them to do this. They did it. No one's surprised. They're going to go down and win the championship next year, and they'll be right back up flip-flopping with Fulham. Um, Wofford abysmal but what about Brentford are they going to you know one two punch their way like Leeds did like Sheffield United did are they gonna are they gonna um I give Leeds the benefit of staying up this year but they went from a team that was really interesting at least for the first two-thirds of their their promotion season to being dangerously at the bottom Brentford yeah, I mean I'm worried I, they're I gonna would, do the same I would thing. Put Le- yeah, I would put Leeds and Sheffield in the same boat for sure. I think it's good that you put that asterisk of, yeah, Leeds, unlike uh, Sheffield, who were in a similar position their first year, but then were relegated. Leeds were able to stay up. Um, but, you know, Leeds had basically the same path. They just happened to rescue themselves literally just in time. 
Um, so I would put them in the same boat as Sheffield. But no, I think Brentford's going to be different. Um, and I think the reason for that is, first of all, unlike Sheffield and Leeds, uh, Brentford are much less of a one-trick pony. Uh, they can have variety in their offense. They can score from different players. Um, you know, it's not just Ivan Tony putting in 20, 30 goals for them and basically carrying the team. Uh, they can score from different avenues. They can play uh, in different styles. And their defense is not trash like Leeds was. Um, so, you know, they're not, they're not imbalanced uh, in the way they play. They're a lot more solid, I think, on offense and defense than both of these previous two teams that were, you know, comparing them to in terms of freshly promoted uh, who did really well in their first year. And I think Brentford will comfortably be, you know, 10th or 11th next year. I think they'll drop off a little bit, maybe not start as hot uh, as they did this season, but I still think they'll be comfortably mid-table. And I don't think um, that they're going to share the same fate that Leeds did this year and Sheffield last year. Okay. They, they did finish 13th this year. I think they're going to be in a similar spot next year. I think it'll be 13 to 15, uh, but safe well before the final day. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty in lockstep with you on that. I think next week, uh, we'll do a Champions League final, but we'll also do a recap of kind of all 20 teams from a very like high overview of how their season was. Uh, I'm curious, there's a huge game next Sunday that we probably need to talk about. And it's not the one Perry wants to talk about and the one Perry will, will drink to the result of one way or another. It's actually the richest game in football. It's a game that's worth about... Felt related, I was going to say. It's about 168 million pound difference between winning and losing that game. Come on down, Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest. Welcome to Wembley. And oh my goodness, you're in for a good time. Um, it, for those who don't watch the championship at all, Nottingham Forest, uh, not led by, but in no small part, thanks to James Garner uh, on loan, who will be getting a look in uh, from United this preseason about you know taking one of those midfield spots, has been an absolute staple for them. Um, and I'm excited to see him on a big stage big lights, everything to play for. Um, I think if he doesn't end up proving worthy enough next preseason, that if Nottingham Forest get promoted, he might go back there and get some prem experience with them. And I'd be really excited to see that. Huddersfield on the other end of the spectrum, they play like a Burnley to me. Man, I don't want to watch them. No, I'm with you on that. Nottingham Forest actually play a much more exciting brand of football. I saw them um, when Liverpool played them in the FA Cup. They really caused Liverpool a lot of scares. They were going for it. Um, they were they were going for it. Um, you know, they they weren't afraid to to play their brand of football. And I know, like, look, it's the FA Cup. There's magic to the FA Cup. Anything can happen. This is this is the it's a type of tournament where you, you get these kinds of results. But I, I was very impressed by them. And like, I, I I don't want to get into the fact that like they have history and it's better for the Premier League that they're there. But like. They're a great club. They've got a lot of history. Um, you know, as a Liverpool fan, I'm obviously going to value that, especially when I see Liverpool losing out, the, losing out the title to teams like Man City, who basically just buy their way to success. But, you know, Nottingham Forest, I think it really would be great um, to see them back in, back in the top flight after they, they really fell away for, for decades. Um, so, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Team Nottingham Forest for this. Speaking of falling away for decades, it must be said, because it just simply must be said, um, Sunderland till I die, run it back for another season. They won their playoff final. They did. They will be in the championship. Are they, they have a chance. To... Sunderland's another team you'd love to see back in the Prem. I, I'd love to see them get absolutely chaotic in the, uh, in the championship next year. I want to see where they float or fall. And they also have a, a member of the, the U.S. 
um, constituency who is basically a club legend there is one of the few players that's been around since the last time they were in the Prem, Lyndon Gooch. 26, 27 years old. I think his contract's running out at the end of the year, but uh, they need to, to take care of that and get him re-signed because he's an absolute club legend, um, which is weird, you know, to, to be a club legend of a mid to, to lower uh, tier English football team when you're from Santa Cruz, California. That's an interesting path, but he is one. He's been there for almost a decade at this point. And if he has a good season in the championship, he might play his way in the first couple months into you know, possible contention in that U.S. men's national team roster. Let's see how hot he comes out in the championship. But I just it, he's been toiling around in League One and kind of not getting a look in for a while. But we're gonna have to take a peek at him. We will, we will indeed. Um, but with that, that is the that's the end of the Premier League season. Jeff, there's one thing I want to get to, um, and that's it, it's actually not really what I think most people would, would, would think I'd bring up as like a main storyline, but it has been a recurring theme um, on the show for, for much of the season. Antonio Conte got the job done, Jeff. He got the job done. And, and I, I don't want, like when United passed up on him, I thought maybe they were going to regret it uh, because they let an elite manager go to a direct rival for top four. Conte, Conte, will you finally admit that he has turned Tottenham around? This is turning Tottenham around. Is it not? Conte, has been a part of turning Tottenham around. He did not write the ship himself. Uh, it's, their first, it's their first top four season with the exact same group of players in, I think, two or three years. Yeah, and they only choked it last year because they found a way to do an incredible... I mean, they almost choked it again this year. Um, the, only re- the only way they didn't was uh, stealing that point at Anfield, and, uh, <laughs> which I'm going to bring up and rub in because you were there. But um, I-, I think Conte... I, I had never said that he was a bad appointment for Tottenham, right? I, I didn't think he was a great appointment for United in part because of how he would have worked with the board. Now, may it have given yeah, us okay, some short-term bro, results? The, okay, may it have given us some short-term results for this year? Up. The board's incompetent. The board no. needs someone who's going to like force him. I mean, not that Conte's going to have an influence, but come on. That's the problem. There's no manager you could hire that would have more – that would be – the choice ahead of the board when it comes to what United are going to do. So why bring in a manager who you know is going to fight with every board he works with? Uh, okay, I, I see your point, but he would have given you immediate results. He would have given you us immediate you, results, but you, let's see United, what happens in United six months. United would be in the top four if Antonio Conte was their coach. Let's see what happens in six months because there's every chance that it blows up at, at Tottenham and I will I will remember these things. If it oh. works at Tottenham, I will, I, will, I will continue to eat my words in terms of that rebuild, but there's every chance it still blows up and I'm waiting for that. But the thing is, I think we have to define what blowing up. I mean, I think with Tottenham is definitely different than at Chelsea or Inter or, or Juventus. But if, if we look at how he left Juventus, he left them having won three straight titles, three straight titles. He left Chelsea. Yeah, it got ugly towards the end, but still finished fifth and won an FA Cup. And he left Inter having won a league title. So, what, I mean, what's we don't know how it's going to end at Tottenham, but at United, what's really the worst case scenario that it would have been? The worst case scenario really is that, you know, they would have missed out by top four narrowly, maybe won a couple of trophies for, for the and first And then he time. would have brought in some old, some older players and he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been thinking about building for long-term with this United team, which need that. He wouldn't have been playing the youth and he would have been gone in six to eight months. And we would have been right back where we were at the end of the Jose run, where you look around at the team and go, this isn't the team we need for the next decade. Mm-hmm. Well, we will, I'm sure, be discussing much of that on the next episode, uh, which will come out after the Champions League final next week. Uh, we'll be yes. doing a recap, 
uh, end of year awards, obviously the Champions League final, um, much more to get to. But until then, wait, have we done predictions Curry. for the Champions League final? Really, we haven't, but let's make it quick because we have about oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. less than a minute. Uh, uh, two one Madrid, two one Liverpool. Oh, this is this is absolutely easy. Got to get it in, Jeff, uh, quickly. Two one Liverpool. All right, take care. Hear from us next week.